Good afternoon, producer Susan. How's your week been going? I'm doing great, Georgie Joe. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Have you had your dog swimming recently? Uh, he was on Saturday, but then had too much excitement and got sick on Sunday, so we had to take the day off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Hopefully he's doing better now, huh? Is he doing is he doing better? All recovered? Yep. <laughs> All right, that's good. All right. Um, let's get started, unless you got something you want to throw onto the agenda. No, it's it's a beautiful day. I'm gonna go mow the lawn after this. All right. All right. Well, today's August 21st. Um the focus of the show is news and perspective. Actually, it's the 22nd. Oh, 22nd. Very good. Thank you for catching that. Today's the 22nd. It's news and perspective you want to hear on TV. And in fact, we do have a story, a very major story that I know you didn't hear about. So we'll talk about that. Our quote of the week is from an uh, from the entrepreneur uh, name of uh, Paul Graham, who uh, gives some advice on how to choose a profession that will guarantee, that will almost guarantee that you will do great work and enjoy your job. And the stupidest thing I've heard all week will tell you why you can't become a foster parent in Massachusetts if you're Catholic. We'll tell you how tall a stack of $100 bills would be if you if you wanted to stack them up to equal our current national debt of $32 trillion. The answer might stun you. So I'm going to ask you for your guess on how tall of a stack of $100 bills you need to equal our national debt of $32 trillion when we get there. So think about that. Um, in our science segment, we have uh, some pretty uh, stunning statistics. We'll tell you how climate change has impacted the annual death rate from climate-related weather events over the past century and how that death rate has changed. In a related story, we'll tell you what other types of regular occurring weather events causes the most damage when measured in terms of dollars. In our stories you won't hear in TV segment, we'll tell you about uh, Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden sent out emails under fake names while he was vice president and asked the question, why would somebody do that? You're the vice president of the United States sitting in your office and you're sending out emails under a fake name. Um, if you're a Republican, I'll tell you why I don't think you should vote for Trump in the primary elections if you want the next president of the United States to be Republican and the next two justices to the Supreme Court to be cons uh, conservatives. Uh, and please don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not anti-Trump, but I'm just saying if you want a Republican in the White House in 2024, you should vote for somebody besides tr Trump. In our taxpayer relief shot segment, we're going to first, instead of just one story, we're going to bring you two stories of two different women using guns to protect the lives of other family members. So what do you think about that agenda for today? That sounds pretty full. All right. All right. Our quote of the week is from entrepreneur Paul Graham on how to choose a profession that will guarantee that you will do great work and enjoy it. And here's his quote. And I'm going to relate this to a personal story. And here's his quote. It's essential to work on something you're deeply interested in. Interest will drive you to work harder than mere diligence ever could. The three most powerful motives are curiosity, delight, and the desire to do something impressive. Sometimes they converge, and that combination is the most powerful of all. Any thoughts on what he just, on his uh, advice? Yeah. All right. Let me tell you how that relates to me. I love solving problems. My first job out of college, of course, I was trained as a mechanic. I went to work for Carrier in their industrial equipment division, and I was in their field service group. And every day the phone would ring several times, and it'd be a customer, a hospital, office building, 
university with our air conditioning machine isn't working. It's getting hot in here. We need somebody to fix it. Well, the first step in fixing it is figuring out what's wrong with it. So every one of these phone calls to me was a puzzle. And many times I would jump in my car and I'd go out there. And the first step in figuring out what's wrong is to is to, to figure out what is the best way to go about diagno diagnosing this problem. Uh, if you're a doctor, depending on what the patient's complaints are, you might use one diagnostic method for one patient and a totally different diagnostic method for a different patient. So my the first step was to what is the right diagnostic approach I should take? And then after I do the diagnostic approach, I would then look at all the data to try and solve the puzzle. Why isn't this machine working the way it's supposed to work? And then the next, and after you figure out why it isn't working the way it's supposed to work, the next step is what's the best way to fix it? You, you may know how to fix it or what to fix, but you know, how do you do it? How do you stage it? What equipment and tools am I going to need? How many guys is it going to take? How long is it going to take? What parts and special tools? And to me, each one of these things was a puzzle and I love solving puzzles. So I love that job um, because every day it was solving multiple puzzles. And I took great satisfaction. I tell story, I, to, to this day, I'll tell people stories about really tough problems that I solved and elegant really elegant solutions uh, to how I solved some of these problems that restored cooling to a building that normally would have taken somebody three days and I got their cooling back on in three hours. Do you have any experiences like that that you want to share? Or yeah, I mean, like but one of my, uh, when dealing with some of my customers is uh, asking why, the why, mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's more on the upfront end of, of why do you want to do this or why do you want to accomplish this? Uh, I like to explore the why. But do you get satisfaction from poking and prodding and finding yeah, out? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So again, so I'm going to repeat that. The three most powerful motives are curiosity, delight, and the desire to do something impressive. So if you have a job that uh, that engages you, your curiosity, gives you delight when you succeed, and, and uh, gives you the chance to do something impressive, how can you not, you know, I mean you know, how can you not succeed in a job like that? Because you're going to have to drive, you're going to study, you're going to do stuff on, you're going to read up on weekends. So, you know, you'll, you'll succeed at jobs like that versus, oh, it's Monday, I got to go to work. Oh, damn, I wish I was doing something else. If you've got a job where you're saying, damn, it's Monday, I got to go back to work. You're in the wrong job. If you can find mm -hmm. a job like, I can't wait till Monday morning to get back because I love what I'm doing. That's a job you're going to be extremely successful at. Mm -hmm. So before any editorial comment before I move on? Yeah, I mean they always say if you if you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So never work a day in your life. That. And that's kind of a variation of and I can really and by the way, when I moved on and, and became a partner in a venture capital firm, it was the same thing. You've seen the show Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, we would go look at businesses and and the, my first when I would look at these businesses, my my first challenge would be what is this business doing right? And what is this business doing wrong? And then once you figure out what it's doing wrong, then the second challenge is, all right, what's the best way to fix it? What's the best way to move them from what they are doing to what they should be doing? And then the third step is change management, which is another, you know, because uh, getting people to let go of what they have been doing and embrace something they should be doing is usually the toughest part. Uh, that was a, the same thing with Gordon Ramsay. 
It would, he would go into a restaurant and very quickly he could figure out this is what they're doing wrong. The toughest part of what he had to do was convincing the owners to do it his way and not their way. That was always the toughest part of the show. It was managing the change process. Okay. So anyway, um, it's it's been with me all my life and I've, I've, I've loved every job I've ever had. Anyway, moving on. Stupidest thing I've heard all week. Um, now the state of Massachusetts has 17,000 kids under state care. They have them in state facilities. They have them in juvenile. They have them in hospitals. And they're looking for foster parents. 17,000 kids with no parents because their parents are in jail. Their parents are drug addicts. Their parents are unfit. So this Catholic couple applied to be foster parents. And they got a letter back. And I'll read you from the story. They got a letter back from the state of Massachusetts denying their application. And here's what the story said. Mike and Kitty Burke filed suit on August 8th against state officials who rejected their application to be foster parents. In an exhaustive screening process, state agents gave the Burks high marks and glowing comments, but the state turned them down because their Catholic faith, faith was, quote, not supportive of the state's promotion of transgender medical procedures. The Burks' beliefs on sexuality were the sole reason for the denial. Now, note, it, note that at no time did the couple state nor imply that they wouldn't respect the gender preference wishes of any child placed in their care. The state of Massachusetts just assumed that they wouldn't, and that was the basis for the denial. Now, it's one thing if the state had a questionnaire and, and said, if the child under your care expressed a, a desire to change their gender, would you be supportive? It'd be one thing if they had asked the question and this, and this couple had said, no, we wouldn't, but that question was never asked. The state just assumed that this couple wouldn't be supportive. Now, my question is, are they also going to deny Jewish couples, Muslim couples, Hindu couples? On mm -hmm. what? Uh, I mean, it, it just boggles my mind that the state that has 17,000 kids with no, no, no home is denying this couple because they assume this couple wouldn't be supportive. Yeah. What's, what's your th thought and reaction? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and just because you, you know, it, it's not an all or nothing. Uh, and this goes to religion or politics or whatever, just because you associate with this particular group of people does not mean you you believe everything of that particular group of people. Yeah, uh, and again, and I don't think the Catholic Church, uh, I'm not sure that the Catholic Church has come out pro or con in terms of, uh, you know, gender switching. Uh, I'm not aware that they have. Uh, but the point is, but at no time did the couple state or employer, they wouldn't be respectful of the gender preference of any child placed in their care. So I, I think I think the state of Massachusetts is going to lose this this uh, this this case big time. At least I hope they do, because they would have no basis for denying just this one couple and then not denying Jewish couples, Muslim couples, couples and Hindu couples. Mm -hmm. um, if they want to make this a, a criteria, then they need to have a questionnaire. So that's the stupidest thing I've heard a week. Do you think it qualifies for the students? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, that is ridiculous that you would deny uh, a child who needs love uh, from a, a couple willing to provide that love. Right. And by the way, that would also, that and of course, foster care typically leads to adoption. So Mm -hmm. um, it, it's also would apply to their uh, request to adopt any of these children. So if you're a foster child or if you're a child in the care of state of Massachusetts, um, at the moment, um, 
no Catholic couple can uh, become your foster parents or even apply to adopt you because the state won't permit it. All right. Somebody I know on the radio the other day asked, asked the question, you know, our, our current national debt is $32 trillion. And he was wondering if we, if we took a stack of $100 bills, how high would a stack of $100 bills have to be to equal our national debt of $32 trillion? And you want to guess whether it be 500 feet, 1,000 feet, a mile, two miles, three miles? Um, I'm going to say, let's see, a stack of 100, 100 bills. bills is about a half an inch. I'm going to say it's probably going to be like in the 16 million mile range. Well, not quite. Here's the math. Uh, now, now, if we were talking dollar bills, you'd be absolutely correct. Okay, that's talking. what I was saying. I was thinking dollar bills. Okay, but I'm talking hundred dollar bills. So hundred. So let me move my decimal point. That would be what? Uh, Two places. Yeah. So what? A hundred and sixty thousand miles. No, here, here we, here's the math. Am I, am I moving my decimal the wrong way? Yeah, you moved it the wrong way. Here's here you go. All right, but I'm not wrong that it's it's miles it, and miles and miles. Right. So here's the math. There's 250 freshly minted and unwrinkled hundred dollar bills to the inch, which is twenty five thousand to the inch, which is three hundred thousand per foot, um, or one point five billion per mile. That means that just one trillion in hundred dollar bills would be a stack. 631 miles high which is twice the distance from the earth to the um uh to the uh, space station mm -hmm. therefore 32 trillion would be a stack of hundred dollar bills 20,200 miles high if you laid that stack on its side it would almost the the, the circumference of the earth at the equator is almost 25,000 miles so if you if so if you were to stack $100 bills tightly packed around the equator of the earth, not end to end, this is stacked. Mm -hmm. You would go 80% uh, around the circumference of the earth. Now, if you made a small mountain out of those bills, and let's say you made a mountain that was 100 feet by 100 feet at the base, which is 10,000 square feet, that mountain would be two miles high. So that's how, so if you want to try to get your mind around what 32 trillion in national debt looks like, it's a, a stack of $100 bills, 20,200 miles high. And to put it in perspective, many of the Rocky Mountains are and about 14, two and a half miles tall. 14,000 feet, correct. Yep. So, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so even if, so yeah, so if you made a mountain, a hundred foot by hundred foot high mountain, it would be just a little over two miles high, a little over 10,000, 11,000 feet. So the height of the Rocky Mountains. Height of the Rocky Mountains, all right. Now let's talk about climate with um, if in fact we're having more frequent and more violent climate events, you would think that the annual deaths from climate related events would increase, right? Yes. Now, um, since the population of the earth has, has really changed over the last hundred years, the best way to look at this is climate deaths per million. Well, here's a, here's something very stunning. Uh, and this is a quote from the link story. The data shows that climate-related events, which include floods, droughts, storms, wildfires, and temperature extremes, are not actually killing more people. Deaths have dropped by a huge amount. 
In the 1920s, which was 100 years ago, almost a half a million people were killed by climate-related disasters worldwide, 500,000 people. In 2021, less than 7,000 people died in climate-related events, which means that climate-related disasters now kill 99% fewer people than they did 100 years ago. How's that for a st statistic? Yeah. Yeah, 10 years ago, the global death rate from climate-related events was 298 per million. Today, that figure is 0 0.8 deaths per million people. So again, it's the, it's declined by 99%. So uh, it's just a dramatic. So you hear all this doom and gloom, or we're all going to die. No, uh, again, the people dying from climate events are 99% fewer than they were a, hundred, a century ago. So on a related event, when we look at hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards, and thunderstorms annually, which one of those events, hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards, and thunderstorms, which one of those events each year do you think causes the most financial loss, is the costliest? Uh, probably flooding. Well, again, flooding from hurricanes, flooding from thunderstorms. I didn't say flooding. I said oh, hurricanes, uh, tornadoes, blizzards, or thunderstorms. Probably tornadoes. You would be wrong. Oh. The winner by a huge amount is thunderstorms. And the first half of 2023 was pretty typical when it came to non-thunderstorm catastrophes with about 19 billion in, in insured losses in the first half of this year. However, uh, that was for everything but thunderstorms. However, thunderstorms were 35 billion in insured losses. Um, now think about that. When you have a thunderstorm, what in addition to, to torrential rain and wind blowing over trees, you get hail. When mm -hmm. hail comes down on a city, what happens to cars? They get damaged, severely they get damaged. damaged. Windshields get broken. The they get, you know, the paint. Uh, I, I know in Denver they had, you know, thousands and thousands of cars were smashed in by golf ball size hail, you know, windshields broken. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so by far, thunderstorms out, uh, outpace all other weather events. Um, in, uh, and, and again, with thunderstorms, you get, you get it all, you get floods, you get hail damage, you get wind snapping trees onto houses and power lines. Um, the total, the total this year alone is likely to reach $50 billion just from wow. thunderstorms. So it's not the tornadoes, it's not the hurricanes, it's not the blizzards, it's thunderstorms. And by the way, do you know more, that more people die each year from cold than heat? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I think it's three to one. So global warming, if you know, if it is, if there is such a thing as man-made global warming, it would actually wind up saving lives because cold kills three times as more many uh, three times as many people each year as heat. All right, that's the big story you didn't hear on network news. So it, it came out last week that when he was vice president. Biden was using fake email name, fake names to send emails. And this is a quote from the story. President Joe, Joe emails from his time as vice president are coming under renewed scrutiny over his apparent use of the pseudonym Robert L. Peters and other names. The House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman 
Republican James Comer has asked the National Archives and Records Administration in a letter on Thursday to provide unredacted emails from Biden's time as vice president that relate to Ukraine and national and the natural natural gas company Burisma. So my question is, and, and the reason the National Archives have them is because he sent them from his office computer and anything that went out over a government computer is, you know, part of the National Archives. So my question is, if you're the vice president of the United States, why are you sending emails under fake names on your office computer? No, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do that unless you're trying to be de devious? Devious. So I think this is a huge story. And I think the the bigger story is why was Fox the only network that thought that was a newsworthy story? Because you, did you hear about it on CBS, NBC? I, or CBS? I did not. No. So uh, so the question is, I, it's, I think it's a big story. And I think the bigger story is, why did all the networks except Fox didn't think you needed to hear about it? So why is the about, president of the United States or then vice president trying to deceive us? Right. And again, so that's why I call this show the uh, news and perspective you won't hear on TV, because that's a piece of news you didn't hear on TV. Now, let's get political. I am not anti-Trump. Um, however, having said that, um, Here's why I think you shouldn't vote for Trump in the primaries if you are a Republican and want our next president to be a Republican, and if you want to preserve a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. So first of all, um, let's talk about the Supreme Court. There's going to be at least two, if not more, replacements on the Supreme Court. Both uh, Justices uh, Clarence Thomas and Alito are absolutely uh, going to be gone in the next four years. I think Thomas is just waiting for the next president. Thomas has already said privately that the only reason he hasn't resigned is he didn't want a Democrat to be, to appoint his replacement. So Thomas and Alito are going to be gone. And of course, things happen. You know, people get cancer, they get heart attacks, uh, they get in car accidents. But it, it, there's going to be at least two new justices on the Supreme Court. And if you want them to be appointed by a Republican president, it's imperative you don't vote for Trump in the primaries. And I'll tell you why. Right now, if you look at the polls, Trump can is barely beating biden in uh, just a very few of the polls and losing to biden in most of the polls and guess what biden is not going to be the nominee in polls where they have trump against any other opponent like um, gavin newsom out of uh, california or gretchen whitmer out of michigan trump loses by a landslide because if you if you can barely beat biden on a good day and i say barely like one point margin and that's only in two or three out of ten different polls in in um seven or eight of the polls trump even loses to to biden well if trump can barely beat biden maybe and is a guarantee to lose to uh somebody like gavin newsom or gretchen whitner who is most likely going to be the Democrat nominee. If Trump becomes Republican nominee, you are basically guaranteeing a Democrat in the White House in 2024. And a Democrat in the White House in 2024 means that you're going to have two more liberal justices appointed to the Supreme Court when Thomas and Alito are forced to retire because of age or infirmity. Um, any reaction to what I... What the, yeah, so what who... I, who is your prediction for the Republican candidate? You know, this guy, you know, he, he's coming on like a dark horse, but this um, Vivek Ramaswamy is really coming on. Personally, I think the, the Republicans' best choice 
would be Nikki Haley because I think she would run away with the female vote. I, mm -hmm. I think this country is ready for a woman president. And I think if you can get the majority of women in this country, you'll be our next president. And I think Tim Scott, the black senator out of uh, South Carolina, I think would be an excellent choice too. So uh, my preference would be Nikki Haley, number two, Tim Scott, number three, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, do you and, have any? And, and is it one, would it be unusual for the Democrats to not have the incumbent Biden? And who do you predict would be the candidate for the Democrats? Well, again, I think it's either going to be Gavin Newsom or Gretchen out of uh, Governor California or Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. Do you uh, find it unusual that the D Democrats would not? Well, they, yeah, it, it's unusual, but they know he's a loser. They know he's infirm. Uh, they know his dementia is getting worse day by day. Um, they know that he they they know for certainty that he could not beat any other opponent besides Trump. I mean, that's a given. It's undisputed that Biden could not beat. Uh, by the way, women hate Trump. You know, women universally, even conservative women hate Trump. And you can't be president in this, in this country if you can't get at least 50 percent of the female vote. So they already know that um, if Trump is not the candidate, that Biden as, a, Biden as the nominee is a guaranteed loser for them. And, uh, you know, so I, I think Biden is going to announce that he's bowing out of the race either late this year or in January of next year. Um, and that's the smart money's betting on that. So do you disagree or you, you don't see yeah, that? No, I, I, and I did, I didn't listen to much news over the weekend, but I did hear that, um, Trump is declining to, um, participate in any of the, um, debates uh, tomorrow. Right. Yeah. What is the word am I looking for? Debates that are right. coming up in the next few weeks and months. So, and by the way, it, you know, even though Trump is, is ahead because he's got 42%, Mm -hmm. uh, and the other 58% uh, is split between the uh, four or five other candidates. Another way to look at that is 58% of the Republican um, Republican voters want somebody other than Trump. So, yes, mm -hmm. he's got a huge lead at 42. I think um, yeah, uh, Ron DeSantis is in at like 21%. Uh, but the point is, if you add up all the other candidates who are not Trump, that's 58% versus. So as it narrows down to trump versus only one other i think mm -hmm. that the all that that other 58 percent who's currently not supporting trump is going to coalesce around somebody who isn't trump and hopefully trump won't be the nominee and anybody who's listening to this yes i know you love trump i know he did great things i'm not trying to diss the guy but i'm just trying to tell you trump biden is not going to be their democrat nominee and trump doesn't stand a snowball's chance of hell of beating anybody other than biden and Biden is most likely not going to be the Democratic uh, nominee in 2024. So the search for perfection is the murder of the good. Don't murder the good by mm -hmm. by shooting for perfection. All right. How much time we got left? Uh, you got about 10 minutes. All right. Well, we're going to do something a little we've never done before. We're going to have two different taxpayer relief shots. Uh, and for those who have never heard them before, I'll let the sheriff of uh, Santa Rosa County Florida, explain to you what a taxpayer relief shot is. Here we go. Let me turn this up. Somebody's breaking in your house. You're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. 
And again, as we've talked before, if if, uh, if you add in the cost of the jury trial and $75,000 a year to send a thug to prison for 10 years, it's a million dollars of taxpayer money to uh, try somebody and um, and send him to jail for uh, for 10 years. So you save the taxpayers a million. Whenever the thug winds up DRT dead right there, you're saving the taxpayers a, a, a million dollars. And here, here we got Sheriff Grady Judd. He's pretty vocal about these things too. Here we go. But we have received information in social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns and they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. All right, and then we got one more from Sheriff Grady Judd. Here we go. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. All right, so with that background, we're here. let's uh, place two. The first one again, um, here's, um, here's one where some masked, armed masked men try to rob a father and his son, and the wife comes out of the house. Uh, the wife comes out of the house with her gun. And again, these are armed masked thugs, and here we go. Deadly shooting happened overnight Saturday, and they believe a woman was defending her family when she opened fire, shot and killed the teen after a group of men tried to hold up her husband and son. Attempted armed robbery interrupted. Investigators believe a Jackson woman was defending her family when police say she shot and killed a teenager after a group of masked men tried to rob her husband and son. Which I totally understand that, you know, uh, <clears throat> you kind of have no choice but to do that when it comes to family. But uh, losing a life is still still the same result. According to police, the deadly shooting happened overnight Friday at a house on Garden Park Drive. They say a man and his son were outside when three men wearing masks approached them. They demanded money and keys to the car. Detectives say the man's wife came outside armed with a weapon. She fired several shots. One of the bullets hit a 17-year-old male who died on the scene. We over here quite often, and usually this don't have any problems when we over here. Eddie James has been mowing lawns in the neighborhood for the past decade. James says he's surprised to hear about the shooting that foiled an alleged holdup. Usually we over here pretty late uh, sometimes as well. Uh, um, usually 7, 30, 8 o'clock, right at dark, and uh, still nothing of that sort has happened. So... Um, like I said, it's just alarming. Police say the two other suspects fired several shots and then ran away. Officers later captured a 16-year-old suspect in West Jackson. And police say the woman won't face charges. They will, they will take the results of their investigation, turn it over, to a Hines County grand jury. For now, we're live in South Jackson, Ross Adams at 16.
And again, what do we hear? Well, two things. One, of course, the, his buddies ran away, late, leaving their wounded or dead body behind. And these were 16 and 70-year-old kids with guns. Yeah. How many so guns? obviously they didn't obtain them legally. No, they didn't because you, if you're 16, you can't purchase or uh, possess a handgun legally. All right. So let's go to the second one where uh, a woman actually... Um, yeah, here we go. This is where some thugs put a gun to a, the head of a woman's husband. Here we go. And then the man's wife gets a gun and fires back, killing the attacker. The shooting happened last night by 630 near South Oregon Springs Road in Salem, Indiana. Wait, news reporter Marissa Burr sorts it out for us. Indiana State Police reports say the victim, Michael Chastain, showed up to the shooter's home on Oregon Springs Road in Salem. The investigation showed Chastain drove through the yard, got out the car, and attacked the homeowners. Police oh, I'm going to pause this. The, the guy in this case, the thug, is the ex-boyfriend of the daughter of the family, and he was apparently angry, and he came driving his car across the lawn and attacked the father. So I'm going to back this up. So you can get the full thing. Here we go. A harrowing scene at a home in Salem, Indiana, with an attack, a gun held to a homeowner's head, and then the man's wife gets a gun and fires back, killing the attacker. The shooting happened last night about 630 near South Oregon Springs Road in Salem, Indiana. Wait, news reporter Marissa Burr sorts it out for us. Indiana State Police reports say the victim, Michael Chastain, showed up to the shooter's home on Oregon Springs Road in Salem. The investigation showed Chastain drove through the yard, got out the car, and attacked the homeowners. Police say he grabbed the homeowner, forced him to the ground, then pulled out a weapon and pointed it at his head. That's when the wife got involved. She grabbed her handgun and shot Chastain. Chastain was transported to St. Vincent Hospital in Salem, where he was pronounced dead. I reached out to friends of Chastain who tell me the shooter, Chastain, and the husband all knew each other. They say this situation is extremely odd and the details don't make sense. Right now, the case is being investigated by Indiana State Police and will eventually be turned over to the Washington County Attorney's Office. In Salem, Marissa Burke, Wave News. So what do you think that one angry ex-boyfriend attacks girlfriend's father? What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, good for the wife though. Good for the good for the wife in both cases and good shots. Yeah. So it, yeah. It pays. All right. Any uh, more commentary before we sign off? Nope. Uh, I, I was talking to some uh, friends who uh, live on the West Coast who are born and raised on the East Coast. And we were talking about Hurricane Hillary, which it's all it's all relative, right? you know, we're used to dealing with hurricanes on the East coast. They're yeah. not used to dealing with them on the West coast. And as far as East coast hurricanes go, this was nothing. This was nothing. But, but to the people of uh, Southwestern United States, Los Angeles area, boy, they, they're, they're hurting. I don't believe that there was any deaths, but. But, but, well, but I did hear that if there were any deaths related to the storm, that they were going to be classified as suicides. Um, did you hear that? No. <laughs> because it's it's Hillary, so any any deaths. <laughs> so if there are any related deaths, they're going to be uh, recorded suicides. And also, uh, there was some fear that the hurricane might it might erase thirty thousand emails. So uh, <laughs> that's yet to be confirmed. Anyway, you know, they re they really need that water, but unfortunately, I don't think it uh, it's serving them the way that it probably should. No, it but, but. hey, it uh, into each life. And by the way, they had they've had similar events. They don't happen often, but. They've had similar events 24 years ago and 50 years ago. So uh, it's not climate change. These things happen about every 25 years. Anyway, 
We're running out of time. So I want to thank all of you listening to me ramble on for about 30 minutes and giving up your day. Um, if you want to see some materials and story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them on the Jersey Joe uh, website at jerseyjoe.com, which is J-E-R-Z-E-E, jerseyjoe.com. And if you want to email me with a question or suggestion, it's just joe at jerseyjoe.com. J-E-R as in Robert, Z as in Zebra, E-E, jerseyjoe.com. With that, uh, Producer Susan, anything else you want to add? No, I'm going to go outside and enjoy this lovely evening. All right. Well, enjoy your day and get your lawn mowed. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.